Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, to all my listeners around the world listening on iHeartRadio or listening on the podcast that's available on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher, and also on my website, it's all about the questions.com. It's so exciting to be here with you today. It's been a crazy week for me dealing with Hurricane Matthew aftermath, and we didn't even get hit really bad with it, but just dealing with insurance and all the contractors I needed to bring in to repair some damage. And then yesterday, I got braces on the bottom of my teeth. So if I sound funny today, everybody, it's because not only do I have braces on the top now, but I have them on the bottom. So it feels really, really strange. And thanks to Dr. Kay Betancourt here in town in Vero Beach for helping me and her staff, Lori and Janae and everybody else there. I tell you, if you have to get braces, get them with Dr. Betancourt. She is absolutely amazing and her staff is great. Um, Now, getting to today's show, this is a topic that I've wanted to have on my show um, since I started the show, actually. It's, It's about real estate investing, and everybody always talks about how you should invest in real estate, and you can make real money in real estate. I'm addicted to every HGTV show that talks about real estate, flipping, and all that other stuff, but... There's a lot more to know than just get a rental property and rent it out. So my guest today um, is Kathy Fetke. She's the co-founder of this incredible company that I just think is really, really neat. And it's called Real Wealth Network. And they even have the Real Wealth Foundation where they donate money to charities. And she specializes in teaching people how to build multi-million dollar real estate portfolios through creative financing and, and planning. She's passionate about making sure that people learn from mistakes other people have made. She is a frequent guest on CNN, CNBC, Fox News, NBR, other places. And now she is here with me today. So thank you, Kathy, for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. And you work with your husband as well, right? He's in the business? I do. He's my co-CEO. That's, that's not easy. I mean, a lot of people on my show wonder how somebody can have a business and have a family and have husband and wife working together and have it go okay. So <laughs> I, I just want to say kudos to the two of you because I'm twice divorced. <laughs> uh, we try to keep everything separate so we're not overlapping. So you guys handle different parts of the business? Exactly. And then we just work together and brainstorm together, but we're responsible for our own you know, parts of it. So it, it, it keeps, it's much better that way. You don't, you don't want to be overlapping in my opinion, if you're married. Yeah. It's just another area of possible not getting alongness. Exactly. <laughs> That's the technical term for it, by the way. <laughs> so, so Kathy, how did you get involved with doing real estate investing on the scale that you're doing? I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, the Barbara Corcoran's and all of these bigger companies that do it. Um, but you're making it, alive for real people, Mm. which is very different. That's what I'm trying to do. I really started out of desperation. My husband was told that he had six months to live uh, when they found out he had melanoma and thought it spread. And uh, the doctor was wrong and he's fine. But at the time I had to figure out how to, you know, take his place financially. I never thought that he would 
I didn't think the doctor was right, but I also knew that um, we had, sorry, there's an echo. I don't know if you hear it. I do not hear the echo, but something did just change while okay. while we were talking. It was fine, and then all of a sudden your sound went completely different. Um, and Sean, the amazing engineer producer I have, is trying to play some stuff on his end. Can, okay. Um, can you still hearing the echo really bad on your end? Um, I am, but I'll just not hold the phone to my ear. <laughs> okay. Okay. There you go. And then at the break, you can hang up and call back in, and maybe we can get a new circuit. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So, yeah, you know, it was desperation. I wanted him to take the time to get healthy and um, and if the doctor was right for him to live his life. So I needed to take over the finances. And I had a radio show at the time called, it was called The Edge, but I changed it to The Real Wealth Show because I wanted the real information on how people could create passive income because I wanted to stay home with my children and raise them and not be gone all day. Uh, so I had to figure out a way, and after interviewing lots of successful people, I discovered that real estate was a way to create passive income, and I got hooked. <laughs> you know, my my mom and dad bought a condo down here in Florida at Grand Harbor, and my dad passed away six years ago, and, and mom hopes to eventually get back into her place, and we're going back and forth. We're not renting it. It's there. It's still her primary residence, but I sit here and I go... There's got to be a way to leverage that. But there's so many things that you need to understand, right? Before you start rental properties, it's not just, oh, go rent it out, right? Or oh, is absolutely. it? Bloomberg just um, did a, a an article on how baby boomers are uh, using rental property as their new retirement plan. And that's, of course, been what we've been teaching people for years now. Is, is how to do that, just one house at a time. And, and sometimes these houses are little fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 houses. Those are harder to find these days. But you don't have to be wealthy to get started. And uh, and so we've been teaching that. But when Blue, when Bloomberg comes out with an article, you know, it does scare me a little because I think people are going to jump in and try something they don't really understand. You do need education. You in Florida and, you know, me here in California, we've seen people make a lot of money and lose a fortune. You could, you know, they've they've made money and lost it all in these. If they didn't understand one very important thing, and that's market timing. So that is one of the things we focus on at Real Wealth Network is helping people understand market timing, so you never get caught uh, like people did in two thousand nine, just having lost everything. Okay, so talk to me about market timing. What exactly does that mean? How do you define market timing? Well, it basically means you do the opposite of what everybody does, which is time it wrong. So the smart money goes in when deals make sense, when prices are low, when cash flows are high, when they can improve properties. I mean, it's the same in the stock market. You know, smart money goes in early because they see the trends. Uh, but then, you know, as more and more people follow the smart money, well, then um, prices tend to go up. And after prices have peaked, that's when the general population jumps in when it's already too late. And there, and in the case of real estate, there's no cash flow anymore. Uh, there's no more room for appreciation. So they're just literally buying at the top of the roller coaster and ready to um, enjoy the ride down, I guess. It's more fun on a roller coaster, though, than in real estate. <laughs> so are there signs that people need to be looking out for to know? Absolutely. There's so many signs, and people don't know what to look for. I, I, 
I teach this all the time. I speak all around the country. I even speak to experienced real estate investment groups, and they, they don't understand the basics of economics, the basics of supply and demand, and when it's time to buy and when it's time to sell. So I usually ask people, you know, do you, what do you do in a buyer's market? And I hear, you know, buy, sell, you know, all kinds of things. And I say, okay, what do you do in a seller's market? Uh, buy, sell. People don't know. So to clarify it, a buyer's market means it's time to buy, and a seller's market means it's the good time to sell. And that's because either the buyer or the seller has the power in, in their market. And the way you know it's a buyer's market is when there's lots of inventory. It's, it's just the su- supply-demand thing. There's more supply than demand. And when there's more supply, uh, that means, you know, buyers have their choice. And so sellers have to fix properties up. They have to make them nice. They, they have to lower prices. Uh, the buyer can negotiate and bargain. And the opposite is true in a seller's market. That's when the seller has the power. There's not – it's this opposite supply – supply-demand issue, there's not enough supply and lots of demand, and all that demand drives prices up because, you know, there's just not enough. And and so you have to know which cycle you're in. Now, you can make money in a seller's market if you get in early, but if you get in at the end, like today in some markets, you're paying top dollar and it's not going to go up any higher. It almost sounds like a catch-22, though, because say you've been buying properties and then you're at the point where you go, you know what, it's a seller's market, let me sell some of my properties. How do you know as an investor whether you should hang on to your property for, say, rental income or let loose? I mean, I know we talked about supply and demand, but I would think that one of the questions an investor would make is, do I sell during this seller's market or wait or I'm going more long-term with my investments. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are high sales costs when it comes to real estate. So you don't want to be going in and out of real estate if you're a buy-and-hold investor. If you're a flipper and you're buying property simply to sell it, um, obviously that's different. But if you're a buy-and-hold investor, your intention should be to hold it. And the only reason you would sell it is if you could dramatically change your life. So, you know, let me give you an example. This is what I deal with daily, and, you know, you're seeing it in Florida as well. We're in California, so people maybe bought properties that made sense maybe four years ago. You know, not a lot of sense, but made more sense than today. So um, they they maybe cash flowed a little bit. They... um, uh, weren't negative cash flow, which is a good thing in California. Yeah. But in that time frame, if you bought a, let's say you bought a condo in Walnut Creek for $300,000 and it's worth 600000 today. And so let's say you're making about $2,000 a month in gross income on that property. Um, and that's okay. It's just paying for itself. Now, you have the op- option to sell that property for twice what you paid and 1031 exchange it, deferring all your taxes, um, so you don't have to pay them now. This is, you know, Trump exposed the kind of tax benefits real estate investors have. You could be making $6,000 a month instead of 2000 Now, I just spoke with somebody who bought a, a Mountain View condo. This is California dollars, but... Um, bought it for about, like I said, four hundred thousand. It's worth eight hundred, maybe even a million today because Mountain View is across from Google. It's a hot, hot market, and 
she brings in about $3,000 a month. I said, how would you like to bring in 10000 a month? Because you could if you sold that property and bought higher cash flow properties in better markets. And she just looked at me and said, if I did that, I could quit, quit my job. So that's a life changer there. You know, so again, it just depends on the deal and the property. But if it can change your life, then by all means, it's something to consider. <laughs> so it's a matter of, Kathy, understanding math. Yes, yeah, the numbers it. tell you what yeah. to do. Yep. And if you don't understand the math, then you need to get surrounded by people like yourself and, and your husband who help you understand the math to know, okay, here's what you're getting currently. Here's where you need to go. I watched one of the shows on HGTV, Income Property. And, you know, uh-huh. the guy helps people renovate, like, an income property. And, and he goes, well, if you do this, you can get x amount but if you do this you can you know you see the big incremental increase Mm. um but for somebody that is afraid to delve into the math because they have that fear of it and the financial thing who else do they need to surround themselves with to make sure they're making good choices well you know you just can't jump into real estate blindly, and so many people do. I'm not sure why. Either maybe they went to a boot camp or they saw the house next door was for sale and thought, well, I made a bunch of money on my house, so I'll buy that one. That actually happened to my family. Um, Family members bought the house next door, refinanced their home to do it, um, ended up timing it terribly, and lost both homes. So um, you you can't just jump into real estate. It's a high-priced item, you know, but because we can walk into a bank and put only 20% down and the bank puts up the rest, a lot of times people think that it's easy, but you just have to understand, okay, if I buy this house as a rental, so first and foremost, you need to know your exit strategy. Now, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to flip it? Are you trying to rent it? Don't just buy it with no plan. And if you're trying to rent it out, then you need to know what that rental demand is for the area, what the actual rents are. Never believe a real estate agent when they quote you rents because they are not a property manager. That's not what they do. They're in the business of selling you property. They're not in the business of, of um, renting it ongoing. So you want to talk to a property manager to get the real scoop on what it will rent for. So there's all kinds of things. I, I, I have a full checklist at our, on our website, but also in my book that helps people make sure to ask the right questions. And, and you know I'm all about the questions. So yeah. um, why don't you say your website, because I've been cruising around there quite a bit lately, and you really do have amazing resources on there. And what is it, Real Wealth? Yep, yeah. Real Wealth realwealthnetwork.com, real like real estate, wealth like your money, and network as in the network. We provide you of experts nationwide to help you build your cash flow portfolio in the best markets, the markets that are just poised for growth, just at the beginning of their boom cycle, not not at the top. <laughs> now, I haven't had a chance to read your book yet because real estate investing is not something I've been in, and, and normally I read people's books, but I wanted to go in a different direction than just your book. What's your book title? It's called... Retire Rich with Rentals, and you can get it on Amazon, Retire Rich with Rentals, and it's such an easy read. I mean, I've had teenagers say that they read it on an airplane ride and loved it and were addicted and wanted to buy you know, real estate, so I really simplify, but mostly I will keep you out of trouble because there's a checklist on there, and you'll know exactly the right questions to ask um, after you read that. It's a quick, easy read. Okay, so talk about getting into trouble. I have a friend who lives in the Carolinas, 
They have property in both South Carolina and North Carolina. And they have a friend who has 40 investment rental properties that he rents out to veterans to help them out and everything like that. Didn't have flood insurance. Houses got pretty devastated from Hurricane Matthew. To me, that's that's a warning sign. They're not even sure he's going to be able to rebuild those houses or repair a lot of them. So mm-hmm. what, are, what are some things that, you know, 40 houses, that's a lot of rental income out there, but no flood insurance when you're in a flood area. I mean, that's a cautionary tale to me. What can you give us some some tips for people who currently have rental properties of things that they want to make sure they have? I know you said your checklist, but give us a couple yeah. of things. Well, I mean, you just said it. You've got to know the basics. One of the things that real estate offers is protection in, in all kinds of ways and forms that you wouldn't get in the stock market. You can't insure your stock portfolio, you know, Wish we could. against the crash, <laughs> but you can insure your property against, um, you know, natural disaster. And so, you know, let me give you an example. This, this woman I talked to in Mountain View who has this now million dollar condo, you know, hello, it's time to sell, right? You know, like it's a million dollar condo. It doesn't make sense. And so, um, you know, I, I had to look at her and say, do you have earthquake insurance on that? No, of course not. It's terribly expensive. Well, then why would you have your entire nest egg in one asset that is in an earthquake zone and not have insurance on it? That's insane. So, you know, to, to explain to her, look, you could sell that and I could easily help her get into 10 properties 20 if she financed, um, and I know that sounds overwhelming, but I would never have those all in the same region. You know, the, the whole point would be to diversify. I would, I would have her have five properties and, and, you know, so four sets of five homes in different areas. Now, again, I know that sounds overwhelming, but when you understand how to treat your real estate like a business and not just a hobby or, you know, a guessing game, um, then you would, you know, you, you would know that how to vet property managers, make sure they're really taking care of your property. I mean, you, you don't run a business and do, if you have a good business, you don't do all the jobs required in that business. You hire people. So it's the same, but you hire good people. And so if you have properties not near you, then uh, you need to hire good property managers and we show you how to do that. Um, so that that's just one thing. I never have 40 properties in one geographical area that's prone to a certain uh, type of natural disaster that you're not insured for. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I think you pointed out the obvious. Yeah, but I was still shocked. I was still shocked by it because they've said that this gentleman is very astute, but he couldn't, he really wanted to give back to vets and he mm-hmm. couldn't afford flood insurance on all of those properties. And I was talking to a local realtor here about flood insurance. I have it on my home. I'm not in a flood zone, but I'm like, I'm buying it. It's only a couple hundred dollars. It's worth it. The one time you need it, it's well worth it. And she said, if you actually put in a claim for flood insurance because something happened, then you can never get flood insurance on your property again. Wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not know that. I, I, I don't know if that's tr- true for all companies, and I, I highly doubt that's true for all companies because that's what it's there for is to protect you, and, and I, if that's true, I imagine that that would be challenged this time around, and, uh, and I know there's a lot of pressure on the government for um, insurance companies to provide what they're supposed to be <laughs> providing, which is coverage. Right. 
So, yeah. so the question then becomes, um, and I know that you have lots of resources on, around this, Kathy, but you need to find if you're, you want to diversify. That's what I hear you say with your real estate. Don't just do it in one area. Um, you need to have a really good insurance person who understands the ins and outs of mm-hmm. insurance for homes and properties. Absolutely. Uh, um, you need to, if you can't take care of your home yourself, there is a cost for a property manager? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, so, you know, I'm guessing that this person you told me about um, is an old time investor and it's kind of thinking from the past, which is never invest more than, I don't know, a 30 minute drive from where you live. Now I am in complete disagreement with with that because maybe within 30 minutes from where you live is not that great. Maybe like for me, I live in, in Southern California. There's nothing here that I would buy. Um, it, I, I couldn't. I have to learn how to invest outside of my neighborhood if I want any kind of cash flow. We don't have it here. And so, you know, old time investors, you know, want to fix their own properties. They want to manage their own properties. They are tend to be cheap. And I don't mean to criticize, but the, it's an example. It's like, oh, no, I can't afford to pay the flood insurance. You can't not afford to pay the flood insurance or you just don't buy in a flood zone. You know, you know, there's we we have teams across the country that help investors find properties. They fix them up to like new conditions and place a qualified tenant for investors who want to do it right. And so, you know, to, to assume that you know everything, that you're going to manage your own property, so you know every law about being a property manager, you know, you, you, you probably don't. And, and you know, the same thing, I'd, I'd rather have somebody, an expert, fix the property. I'm no expert on fixing things. So you have to learn how to delegate and run your real estate like a business and again, we, we show you how to do it. I couldn't possibly explain it all just in this call. But, you know, the most important thing I want people to understand is it's not something you just dabble in or try. You need to know what you're doing. It's not that hard to learn, but you need to know what you're doing. And for some people, they might have bought a two-family house and they're renting out the other side of it. Is that a great way to maybe just sort of dabble in it? That is a great way to dabble. That's how we got started. Um, as I told you, you know, my husband was told he had six months to live and we had just bought a huge house and he was, his career was totally taking off. He had just written a book called Extreme Success and was touring the country on all sorts of national media. And then he got the news about uh, the melanoma. We had just, just got this six bedroom, 4,000 square foot home that, you know, all of a sudden if he wasn't going to be working, there was no way we could make that mortgage. And, and so... You know, he went he went rock climbing with the guys. You know, it was our goal to have his, if, if the doctor was right, to have his six months be the best of his life. And so he was gone. And when he came home from rock climbing, I had rented out every nook and cranny of that home. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Craigslist and I rented out, I put the kids in one room and rented out the other. We had a, an in-law suite. I rented that out. We had an office. I rented that out. I mean, he came home to where he had to wait in line to go to the bathroom. And I, I, I apologize, but it's like, you know what? We've got our mortgage paid. So absolutely. I mean, we turned our big house into a fourplex. And that is how I learned about passive income initially. But thankfully, you were in a zone that you were allowed to do that? Or Oh, I never checked that. You never checked. Okay, good. Well, that's, I guess, when we come back from um, the, the national news break, we'll, we'll talk some more about 
how you can begin to check if you're trying to do it on your own or whether you should even bother because sometimes, you know, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So um, we are here with, with Kathy Fetke, founder of Real Wealth Network. And everybody that's listening right now, highly encourage you to check out her website, realwealthnetwork.com. If you are even considering renting out property, investing She's got like amazing, amazing resources, which I'm pouring through right now because when my mom passes away or if she ever lets me rent her place, I have to decide what are the right choices I need to make. And I like real estate. My dad was a builder, so it's something that's sort of in my blood. Um, so, so, Kathy, we're going to be going into the national news break. Last question you want to throw out there for before the break to people to think about during news. Sure. Just uh, think about how your life might be different if you had more time uh, because you had more money to live life the way you want. That's the purpose of, uh, of investment property. Oh, I like that. That's a great question. We'll be right back with more from Kathy Fetke on It's All About the Questions. If you're just joining us live on the air, we are here with Kathy Fetke, founder of Real Wealth Network, a real estate investor's resource and guide. She has been talking to us about how to get into real estate investing, the things you need to be thinking about, um, why you might want to even consider it. So, Kathy, thanks for um, for being here with us today. Oh, thank you. So I got a question for you. Do you always hit home runs in all the investing that you've done, or have you had any... Blips oh, yeah, along the, the way. Home run every time. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, you know, the reason I'm passionate about teaching people is I don't want anyone to experience some of the things that I experienced in my exuberance in the beginning. Because when you learn, you know, some of the things that, again, Donald Trump exposed, uh, which is the unbelievable tax benefits. You know, I, I, I don't know who your audience is, but I do want to say that there are real estate investors who don't pay tax. And that's one of the reasons why we teach charity. You know, if, if you've been able to reduce your taxes from, from your real estate investments, then you still need to give, you know? And so uh, we, we put that and model that with our academy where 100% of our educational um, content goes to charity. But, um, you know, so... In learning all that's so exciting about real estate, people often jump in or they listen to gurus and think, okay, this person knows so much, but they don't check their background. Maybe it's somebody famous or somebody with a nice smile and a beautiful silk suit, and they just put down their money and um, you know, believe everything that guru says without doing their research. So uh, I, was, I was one of those people, and I, I, I was very lucky because we figured it out in time on, on a lot of the deals. Um, I had, again, like a, a famous a woman who was on The Apprentice, actually, who was selling property in Las Vegas at the peak. And so that would have been in 2006, and my husband and I were in contract on two of those properties. And, you know, they didn't cash flow, and they weren't really on the strip. They were just kind of awful properties, actually. Um, but it was at a time, it was a seller's market, like I said, where there wasn't enough inventory. So you get down to the, the gross stuff, and that's what sells for top dollar. Um, when we almost, and she was pressuring us, this is another thing. If someone's pressuring you, that means that property doesn't have a wait list behind it. That means that it's maybe not that great a property if someone's pressuring you to close. And she was, 
And so, um, you know, fortunately, my husband listened to his intuition when I wasn't listening to mine, and we got out of contract. It was just maybe a year later those properties were worth a fourth of what we would have paid. So we got really lucky on that one, but then um, we didn't get so lucky on two properties we bought in Tennessee, and it was because we got the wrong loan. Um, We got a short-term loan, and I do not recommend short-term balloon notes where you have to pay off the note in two years or whatever because you don't know what financing is going to be available at that time. And so we got construction loans, and instead of getting construction to perm loans that would automatically turn it into a 30-year fixed, we just got the construction loan, and we're going to refi after that. But then the market collapsed. There was no more financing. We had already had, we already had 14 loans. Um, that's, the laws changed where you could only get 10 investor loans, and there was nothing we could do. We had to give those properties back to the bank and, you know, kind of, lick my wounds here I was a you know an educator and I was like I had to give these properties back and lost our shirts so you know yes of course of course I've been there and that's part of the reason I'm so passionate in teaching others not to do these things well in in just that short few minutes you said tons of terms that I'm sure most of us have no clue what you're talking about (laughs) you know you talked about all these different kinds of loans and and those kind of things so what are Around loans, what are some th- questions people need to be asking themselves mm-hmm. when they're looking to take out a loan on a piece of property? Whether it's the one you're going to live in yourself, I would think this applies as well, or something you're planning on investing in. Well, listen, I love leverage. I, I think being able to get as many loans as possible at today's low interest rates, I mean, that you're allowed to, with good credit and reserves, you're allowed to get up to 10 loans to buy investment properties. A lot of people don't understand that. So you have lots of options. Um, but you, when it comes to loans, you know, what I basically was saying is if you get into a short-term loan that requires you to pay it off in a, in a short amount of time, which is called a balloon, um, you may not have the money. So we prefer that you get into a long-term loan if you're starting out. And the U.S. has is the only country that has 30-year fixed-rate mortgages, and we totally take this for granted. But if you talk to anybody from any other country, they would laugh at you and say, are you kidding? How could any bank possibly make any money lending you at a fixed rate for 30 years. I mean, you know, interest rates today are 4 and 5%. With inflation, the payment that you lock in today for 30 years, the same payment, I mean, you know, we're going to have inflation. And so if you, you know, if you have a rental property where rents are going up, but you've got a fixed payment for 30 years, you're going to be cash flowing. <laughs> so that's a safe, safe, wonderful loan to get. Um, as, as opposed to a three-year loan where you have to find new financing in three years or sell that property and the market may not be on your side at that time. It's just risky. I know somebody that lost their house because they didn't understand that whole construction to yeah. permanent loan and, and everything like that. And then the market crashed and they, they yeah. lost their home that they were That's building and fixing. Yeah. All right. It was terrible. Now, what about... International, because I have a lot of international listeners as well, some that want to invest in the United States and U.S. people that want to invest in properties outside the United States. What are things they need to be thinking about? 
oh my goodness, we have so many foreign investors that come to you know Real Wealth Network to help us find properties for them. The biggest mistake that foreign investors make is that they go into headline cities because they don't know anything else. They've only heard of San Francisco and L.A. and Seattle and Portland and Denver and Miami. They don't know about cities that are actually actually have the fundamentals in place, and so you know, and these foreign investors will will go in and not really understand. Um, you know, the, the uh, currency exchange. So, you know, you, you, you have to know, for example, right now, we're looking actually at buying properties in England because of Brexit, because the exchange is so incredible. Um, you've got you've to take the exchange in, rate in, in consideration and also understand that maybe the exchange rate isn't on your side on the buy, but it may be on the cash flow, the ongoing performance of that property. So anyway, that's that's all complicated stuff. But foreign investors need to know the fundamentals as well, and not go into headline cities um, that have already peaked and don't have cash flow or appreciation. There's kind of no reason to buy in those in those areas that have hit the, the top of their performance. You know, you want to get into cities. This is what we do, and the research we provide for free at our at our website is is first and foremost where jobs are going. That's all we care about. Where are the jobs going because that's where the people are going and that's where there's going to be demand for for property. And, and then there's one more factor. The affordability has to be in line. So if there's job growth and population growth like Seattle, but affordability is not there, well, you, you know, you're not going to cash flow or get equity growth. So that's, that's not a good combo. But if you go to a place like Cleveland where there's job growth and population growth, but massive affordability, well, then you know there's an upside are and there, cash flow. Are there websites that help people figure out where the jobs are, are going or you just use like the U.S. jobs report? There's so many resources that I, I show in my book, uh, Retire Rich with Rentals, to, to show. I mean, there's many, many ways to figure out where the jobs are going. I mean, one simple way is to just go to the Chamber of Commerce of, of the city that you're interested in and see what's going on there. If, when you're in town, you can go to the planning department. I mean, we do a lot of this for people so they can have access to our research. Um, but, yeah, I mean, jobs reports helpful as well. Um, again, there's lots of ways. Now, what you don't want to do is, is say, let, let's say a place like Dallas where we know there's massive job growth, but it's in one direction. And so people think, oh, Dallas is hot, and they go into the area that's not hot uh, because it's maybe cheap. And what they didn't research was maybe the crime statistics or, uh, you, know, the, you know, who's living in those neighborhoods, um, whereas the job growth may be on an hour away on the other side of the city. So even if an area has job growth, you've got to know precisely where those jobs are because people don't want to commute an hour. They want to be right next to where the job is. Yeah, I would agree with you on that, although I come from the Northeast where commuting was what people did. You know, you got on the train <laughs> and, and you went to Manhattan or you went somewhere and you just you commuted that's what it was all about because there were so many suburban places that were bedroom communities and i love that about the east coast you you, you know there's a, a system i mean there's trains and we don't most places don't have that you know dallas for sure doesn't have that you're in your car and so you know a bunch of investors bought way 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 north um, without realizing that the infrastructure wasn't in place. So they were able to buy cheap houses, and they thought they were in the path of progress, but what they didn't realize is that there was no freeway coming in, and, and traffic was like a parking lot, and nobody wanted to live there, and certainly not rent. You know, you might 
you might deal with traffic if you're going to own the property, but you're not going to if you're going to rent. Where, where we bought in Dallas was where we knew there was a new freeway coming in that would make the commute 20 minutes instead of an hour. So we bought super cheap. Those properties have tripled in value and, uh, and have cash flowed tremendously the entire time. So you know, we, you know, the, the fourth metric we look at is um, infrastructure and you know, uh, cities that are revitalizing and where they're revitalizing and how we can get in front of that. Is there another way other than somebody going in on their own? With investing, you know, because I, I hear everything you're saying and I'm going, wow, there's a lot of financing and there's a lot of different pieces you need to think about. I know one of the things that you guys have is like a real estate investment sort of club. Mm-hmm. What if somebody doesn't want to go it alone? How do you know if you can, if you're going to be a part of a group, if it is a good investment to do it that way? Right. right. I mean, that's what we created was a place for busy people to get the information they need. And it started with Rich and I just buying in Dallas, but I had my radio show. So I talk about what I was buying and our phones would blow up saying, we want to buy that too. And, and I realized there was a desperate need for, for, for a packaging of all this, for it just to be easy for busy people. And so, you know, we basically handed over our system. It's like, okay, we worked with this agent and we work with this property manager and, this insurance company, and here you go, and and then that agent needed to pay us a, a referral fee out of their commission, so the, the the members of our network didn't have to pay anything. It was coming from the real estate agent who would just share their commission with us, and because we're licensed real estate agents as well. And then it it then it became even more like our members are Silicon Valley people. They're busy. They're they're engineers working sixty hours a week. They don't have time to do anything. So we took it even one step further and. Um, you know, had these teams buy the properties, fix them up to like new condition, bring in a qualified tenant and offer an asset that's already cash flowing and and is already done for you. But even that, even that can be too much for some people. So we have syndications, which means um, they're group projects that are totally and completely passive. You don't have to do anything um, like we together bought a an apartment across from Google where investors each put 50000 in, and we totally manage that for them. So they don't, they don't have to do anything. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that there's, there's no reason not to get started. You don't have to have a lot of money. Um, you don't have to, I mean, we prefer that you have enough money for a down payment and you have good credit. But, you know, some people don't have anything, but because they get the financial education, they find a way, and it's just a miracle how that happens. I, I have people who come to our events and have been with us for years, and then that, that miracle happens when they're ready. They, they inherit money or they get a bonus or they've improved their credit and they're ready to go, and, you know, it, it, you just got to start with that financial awareness, and then you start to see the opportunity. I, I like that. It says to me that you want people to succeed, there are many ways for somebody to succeed at this, but they just have to be willing to put the work in mm-hmm. to make sure they understand where they're investing. Absolutely. And who they're investing with, which I, I've had, you know, my listeners are from every walk of life. Most of them are entrepreneurs or head, you know, corporate people. And they're like, I want to figure out a new way of making money because I need to spend more time with my family. I want to spend mm-hmm. more time with my family. Or I just know that 
the next 10 years of my life, what, what if something happens? I want to have another source of income because corporations are letting people go. Things are changing. There's no security. I, I totally get it. I, I, you know, people are starting to get their values back in line and realizing, wow, you know, maybe hit, climbing the corporate ladder isn't really going to give me the happiness that being able to have more time with my family would give me. So, you know, we're starting to realize uh, that there's a different, maybe a different American dream. And, uh, and so being able to start thinking outside the box, like you said, so that means how could I acquire assets that pay me, um, that are like little clones of me that are working when I'm not and pay me. And, and I just don't know any other asset besides real estate that does that. I mean, you could buy cars and rent them out or you could buy, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you buy laundromats I and mean, there's ways to create cash flow, but there's very few where you can walk into a bank and have the bank put up 80% of what's needed to buy that asset, but you get everything. You get all the upside, you get all the cash flow, and you get to pay that bank back at, at, at less than 5%. It's crazy. I mean, the opportunities are endless. So, yeah, and like I said, that's nothing makes me happier than to see somebody's eyeballs pop when they get it, when they're like, all I have to do is this one thing, it's going to change everything. Like we had a client who found out he'd been in the military and found out that his retirement would not cover his wife if he died. It would just disappear and she wouldn't have any. And and what they had was a one property in Virginia Beach that they lived in but then moved and they rented it out, but it wasn't really cash flowing and it was costing them money. It was an old property. So we got them to sell that property, 1031 exchange it, which means you can sell it and you don't have to pay any tax on it. You defer it. And we got them into, uh, I think they're in 10 properties now, and her cash flow is now $8,000 a month, and she was able to quit her job, and her retirement is bigger than his now. (laughs) So I I just love it when one simple move can change everything. Yeah, isn't it great when you get that one thing, but you need to do your research in order to understand what that one thing is for you. Yes, and and we have investment counselors that are uh, highly trained, you know, investors, they, they own lots of properties that can meet with, with people one-on-one to help come up with that plan, and, and that's complimentary. And you might be saying, what's the catch? Well, the catch, like I said, is um, when we refer to these wonderful teams, we do get a, a referral fee, but the um, client doesn't have to pay it. it. It comes from the teams that set these properties up for us. All right, and I know you have a foundation, Real Wealth Foundation, where you donate a percentage of all your profits, plus you also mentioned... Um, anybody that joins in with the the training stuff, all that money goes there. Why was that so important for you to do that? Yeah, well, back in the beginning when I started the radio show and I was just trying to learn, I was interviewing successful people and our phone started ringing off the hook and stuff. I, I became sort of a local celebrity in San Francisco pretty quickly because I was on a major station and I, I had a nerve. You know, I wasn't the only person, it turns out, who wanted to <laughs> create passive income to have more time to be with my family. And so we, you know, all of a sudden our show took off and I started to be asked to speak at these real estate events. And, uh, you know, so I would go and I would MC and I would, you know, be the speaker. And I would look at the other people speaking and, and I would kind of like ask my fellow investors, you know, I, 
is what they're saying accurate? And they're like, no, this is such outdated information and it doesn't work in this market. And, you know, I'd have attorneys next to me because I'd surrounded myself with really, really sophisticated investors. That's why we call it the real wealth network because these are the real deal. They're not selling anything. There's no boot camps. But I would watch the audience run to the back of the room to buy these, you know, $10,000 boot camps of information that was totally outdated and not true. And then find out that, you know, these speakers had never actually done it themselves. They were just selling product. And, and I thought, okay, this has to end. Um, we're going to create an organization that's, you know, that's per, where information is affordable and people, anyone can have access to it. And so that's when it was actually our millennials. Uh, we have a bunch of young people working at the company, and they said, well, if you don't really want to make money in the education piece, why don't you donate all of it? And we're like, we love it. So that's what we do. And, and we have all the charities that we donate to from our foundation posted on our website. And that, that has everyone in our network feel like they're participating in making a difference in the world and showing people that real estate investors are actually good and generous people making a difference. I love that. I, I myself donate a portion of everything I make to several different charities. I just think it's so important. And I'm on the board of a number of different charities giving back. It's, mm-hmm. it's important when you have to give back. And Absolutely. I just want to applaud you for that. You know, it really fits with everything I found out about you. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, last thought you'd like to share with my audience, including maybe what's something that you wish people would ask you and they never ask you? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I would just say how to get started. And and how you get started is just one little tiny step at, at a time. So that might be reading one a couple of pages a day of, of a book or, you know, watching our webinars. It's one hour a week. Just doing something to get you started. And and when you do that, um, you, you know, you you would not believe how your financial intelligence can increase and how that just draws opportunity to you. The opportunity may be there. You just can't see it. But all of a sudden when you see it, then the world opens up to you. That's... Are you hearing that? That's such a strange sound. I feel like we have UFOs on the show going, yes, that's what you must do. Read something, pick something up. I I got to love technology, live radio. You having had your own live radio show, you know that the strangest things can happen. And sometimes what I'm hearing in my headset might actually not be heard live on the air. So we'll see when we get the recording. All right, so the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about real estate investing? Well, Real Wealth Network is our website, Real Wealth Network, and there's so much, so many resources there, as you said, and you can click on the schedule a strategy session and pick one of the four investment counselors to meet with for about an hour, and they'll just help you come up with your strategy and see what your next steps might be, and that is complimentary. And then uh, for if you really geek out, then sign up for the Academy because we have just so many little modules that teach you how to save on taxes and, you know, get the financing you need and the asset protection and how to, you know, the questions to ask your property manager. That's $10 a month, and all of that goes to charity. So realwealthnetwork.com. And you can get Retire Rich with Rentals on uh, on Amazon. And then my show, Real Wealth Show, is on iTunes. I love that. I love all that. And you're on the Inc. 5000 for several years now, correct? Yeah, we just made it this year. We just applied this year, and um, we're, I think, number 
1912 or something. Uh, very, very exciting um, and, and just so thrilled to be growing. Is that a, a benefit to being on the Inc. Inc. 5000 in your estimation or it just is a, you know, a notch in the belt? Honestly, it, it was my husband's dream. He, when he was young, he always wanted to be on that list, so he submitted and, uh, you know, was able to, he, he's the one who tracks things and, you know, he's a business guy. I'm, I'm the dreamer. <laughs> so, um, he, for him, it was a notch in his belt. For me, I, I don't, that wasn't important to me. What I love is going to our events and having people say that they're now retired because of the choices that they made from the things they learned from us. I love that. And I love that it was one of your husband's dreams. He got to live it. And beyond that, what I love is he had to really understand the financials and the business in order to apply for it, which is not yes. a bad thing to to understand. Exactly. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. Remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking today? And as Kathy so eloquently put, what? how would your life change? if you were financially free. I know I paraphrased her, but think about it. And if you need some help asking the right questions, reach out to me at, at the Laura Stewart on Twitter or Laura at laurastewart.com. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.